0: Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of the Commercial Connection Podcast. I am your host, Spencer Taylor with Milk Creek Commercial. It is great to have you here again joining us. We appreciate every time you tune in and listen. On today's episode, we're talking about passive income. My friend, Roger Jacobson, is joining us. Roger is a, I'm going to say the word, prolific multifamily investor, uh, national and international he's a great friend i met him probably a couple weeks here after moving to salt lake city seven years ago gosh it seems like it was sooner than that but it was like seven years ago um roger welcome
1: thanks spencer thanks for having me on the show today
0: um you bet my pleasure my my honor um if before we get in, let's just learn a little bit about you. What do you what do you like to do when you're not doing successful real estate investing, family, so, hobbies, interests? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. I have been doing a lot of different things for a long time. So my passions are definitely cooking yummy food. I like smoking meats. Uh, just this recent uh, Sunday or yesterday we did some desserts and saw some new stuff that I'm doing. I've been doing a lot of uh, wheeled hobbies, so I like to road bike, mountain bike, oh. motorcycle, ATV, side by side, all that stuff. And I like to do a lot of outdoors hiking, uh, kayaking, stuff like that.
0: What So, you you got my attention with smoking. What's your favorite cut to smoke?
1: Boston butt. A pork shoulder. And it's just one of the best meats. I think you get a good flavor off of anything you do. But I think the extra fat that pork has Mm. is fantastic.
0: Wow. Let's just... Cancel this episode and just smoke (laughs) something. Awesome, yeah. I I haven't really done pork. I mostly do brisket. I would say I do brisket like three quarters of the time.
1: We did a uh, St. Patrick's Day pastrami. Oh, cool. And I did not realize before that started how... I won't say it's easy, but how you can do it so well. So. You just take a brisket and then you prepare it and then you sous vide it, Mm -hmm. which is to boil it in a bag for forever. Yeah. And then you let it cure for forever. Yeah. (laughs) But then you smoke it. And when you take pastrami off of the smoker, that is one of the best flavors ever.
0: Mm. So fun. So fun. Well. Without further ado, let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing in the investing world. And then let's hop over to um, just discuss this topic of passive income. I want to pick your brain. Why is it so important? Why should everyone be looking to do some sort of passive income investing? And let's just kind of go, go down that road.
1: Sure. So my company is based on multifamily value add. We have been almost solely in New Mexico State. Uh, We've done one in Idaho and and multiple in New Mexico. We do uh, apartments. Typically, uh, 17 is one of our smaller uh, projects. Uh, We have a 98-unit syndication. We take apartments that are existing, uh, not heavy lifts that need big remodels. Mm-hmm. But we do more of a carpet and paint style remodel. Typically that also includes something else like a roof or something else where yeah. the person who is just done with it doesn't have the money to deal with it. And then we buy it, fix it up. Uh, we look for margins that are like 200, $250 per door where the rent can go up $250 yeah. Uh, we want to do that hopefully with like a uh, $10,000 to $15,000 remodel. And what we'll do is go in and do a nice clean remodel and make it uh, very appealing to somebody at the new higher rent rate. And then yeah. we usually don't do a fast remodel. We would never kick everybody out. We would just usually let it go as they turn up. Mm -hmm. And as they move out, and then we'll just try and keep it on some type of schedule. So our typical hold is two to three years. We focus on getting them remodeled and getting a new price for them. And then that also triggers a actual percentage return for our investors. So if we were to hold it for the fourth, fifth, sixth year, the return for the investor would go down because it wouldn't be through the value add it would just be inflation and stuff like that and yeah. so we get in and out not quickly like a house flip but over a a shorter you know two year plan
0: so i know now i don't i'm not in the multifamily world a lot right in fact i'm hardly in it but i know cap rates were really low during covid what what are cap rates doing now relative to 18 months to three years ago?
1: Cap rates are still holding on and the loans have gone up. So you always look at it as like a comparison of the cap rate to the loan interest rate. Yeah. With the low interest rates, you could get a a, a lower cap rate, which would be more money. With the higher interest rates, we're still seeing a lot of people that are uh trying to get what their place would have been worth with a lower interest rate so there's not as many deals going around as you would would want and so there's probably uh a little bit of a softening that we're waiting for for us to start buying again
0: so I thought maybe I was going to hear you say cap rates have gone up
1: cap yes they are, they are they're going up they're going up but not and, and they have to because it's yeah. The comparison and the analogy is is if you have a bucket at five percent interest on your payment and a cap rate that's five percent or five, then you're looking at a bucket that stays relatively the same. Yeah. If your interest rate is seven and your cap rate is five, your bucket's gonna run out of money quick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, What's been your favorite multifamily project to work on?
1: Uh, We had a a small one up in Pocatello that we uh, had bought from a local wholesaler. And when we did that, it was right next to a couple of my very good friends' larger project. Yeah, And so we found it locally, like through a friend we got all our contractors that the bigger project was using and so we could kind of have a good relationship before we even started with the contractors and we got in and out of it uh i would say that the gp the general partnership more than doubled their money and the lps had a very good return which i don't know if i can even say that because it was a 506b so
0: yeah well so that's good that's cool that's really cool I man if everyone can make money that's good
1: it was awesome it, it was good. a very uh it was a purpose-built building that was all uh it, it was three bedroom two baths except for one was one bedroom one bath uh the structure the mechanicals everything was perfect the only out only thing outside of the typical carpet and paint light remodel was we had to trim a tree and do a little bit of outdoor work and and i would just kill for that right now
0: yeah (laughs) you kill for that kind of a deal
1: I, i i that kind of project for sure i've got one right now that's in the 98 that we have where the 98 is a portfolio uh two large buildings and then fourplexes and duplexes and we've got a fourplex that we had to repipe because they had copper into the ground we're doing a heavy lift on the whole entire on this particular building the whole entire fourplex we're having new kitchens new bathrooms new water heaters new stucco and new windows it just keeps going (laughs) and it's like uh trying to coordinate all of those things uh timely amongst all the other things that are going on and questioning if we can't get our windows for six weeks then we can't do our stucco for seven, you know, until the yeah. seventh week. Yeah. And what's the point of going and getting all the kitchens and bathrooms done right now when we've got other things that are more pressing.
0: Yeah.
1: We yeah, had, interesting. A, we interesting. had a, a, I don't like kind of call this morning with a general partner. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, life just happens. I mean, things you <clears throat> you pour you pull back sheetrock and it's like, oh man, are you kidding me? This again or whatever, you know. It's never a dull day.
1: And it's a lot easier when you're there in person and able to do it and you have the finance to do it and everything else. And you know, I, I've come from a construction background that I've flipped houses and, and done a lot of really horrible houses when you start out you know are there a hoarder or a, a mm-hmm. cat lover or whatever you want to say and and you know trying to you know deal with you know root roofs that are bad and mold issues and stuff like that but some of these things it's like you go in and you do we did the tour of this particular one uh i want to say it was in seven hours we saw like 90 of the 98 units and we we saw this one we walked all the units and stuff but just didn't know how how much of a lift it really was
0: yeah well so i i'm really excited about picking your brain on passive income i know you're a big proponent of passive income um and i know you kind of in the multifamily world you work a lot with investors who are wanting passive income and all, all of that. So um, I guess I want to start this conversation off with first. If you come across someone who's who's hasn't ever thought about shifting, pivoting into something a little more passive, what what kind of conversation are you wanting to have with them? What what would you do to try to shed some light, give some perspective? shift a belief, you know, that's maybe that sort of thing.
1: That's a good question. The way that I do something like that is typically ask the question, what would you do if you were no longer able to go to work? Yeah. And you were no longer getting a paycheck. What what would be your safety net? Yeah. If that happened. And realistically it's something that everybody should be doing for their own retirement mm-hmm. to figure it out. You know, I don't think that, a lot of people hold a lot of value in collecting a social security check anymore and being able to retire on, on just that. And so you want to figure out ways that you can do things where you can make money in your sleep, you know, and that could be as simple as a a gumball vending machine, or it could be something where you invest with partners that are active or you're passive Or you just have money that you can put to work through different means like doing a hard money loan or a personal loan or something like that. And you just need to uh, sit down, have a, a real deep look at your finances, what you spend money on, what your mortgage is, what you spend. You know, if you go out to restaurants, if you have car payments, if you have credit card payments. What is that monthly total or the monthly nut, as we call it? And how can you earn that much money without actually driving your car to work? You know, how can you make money in your sleep? So we do a lot of different things uh, to do that. Uh, I personally have a Airbnb in my basement. Cool. And other Airbnbs, all of them are run by a property manager. Mm-hmm. So that I don't have to deal with the messages and the cleanings and all that stuff. So it's automated, which I consider a partnership because it's a good relationship. Those guys that are the property managers run around like crazy. Mm -hmm. And then we do uh, syndications where we're much more active. And that's something where I I would say that most syndicators are on a path to start out as a general partner work their butts off, cut their teeth, learn the ropes, get their construction, finance, business operations, stuff done. And then when they have enough money, they'll probably invest with other people that they know, like, and trust in their syndications and then be able to retire and uh, live all their life without having to actually work and just collect that mailbox money.
0: You know something happens like to you, to your soul when you have when you know like the passive income comes in e- even if it's like okay i'm i'm earning you know i'm i have my full time job whatever but then i'm earning a quarter of my income through passive income through streams of passive income that's so powerful it changes It changes you it like it lifts it lifts a burden not equal to the amount of passive income that comes in you know what i mean
1: absolutely when you have uh, multiple streams of income it's like the opposite of when you feel like you're gonna go bankrupt yeah (laughs) and you can't cover all the bills because every time you answer the phone or every time you open the mailbox it's another bill and another person that's you know trying to get your money and you feel like they're just bloodsuckers trying to suck the life out of you yeah when you have multiple different ways that you make money it's like you open up your bank account and the amount is just more it's like well i spent some money how did that money get in there Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know it's automatically deposited when you go to the mailbox and you're like oh This spam, you know, somebody wants to sell me some overpriced, you know, home improvement, dental care, whatever it is, just constant spam where it's like, I don't really need the mailman to deliver me 30 different ways to spend my money. I got that (laughs) covered, but you can also open up your mailbox and be like, oh, I got a check for this investment and that investment. And it's, it's a cool thing. Um.
0: I don't know if you want to go down this road, but it takes a lot, man. It takes a lot to get there. Like emotionally grind the work, the work ethic, the consistency, the patience. It can take a lot to get to the point where you're replacing some of your, um, you know, your typical income, your job income for something passive. Um, anything, I mean, anything you want to share on that, on that front?
1: Sure. I I think the first thing you have to do is set your goal. Yeah. And if you can find like-minded people, there's a lot of different places that you can find people that do investments and, you know, you can share the knowledge and stuff like that. The problem is definitely getting out of your comfort zone. Uh And sometimes that's going to be, just a a point in your life where you're going to be like, this has to happen. You know, like I can't, I can't fathom the idea of not having this money do, you know, more work for me. Like if you're getting one to 3% in a bank Mm -hmm. and you have a potential where you can make 16 to 20%, how long are you going to stay on the fence thinking, you know, well, maybe, Now's not the time yeah I, I I think of a story that was when I was uh, really having a hard time back in 2008 I was at the point where I had a cabinet shop that had been taken using the domain the construction industry as a whole
0: you were working uh, you were doing cabinets back then
1: yeah I, I wow. did construction and so as a contractor I specialized in high-end woodwork Mm -hmm. so i worked mostly up in the park city and deer valley area and these would be second homes for multimillionaires. and i saw an opportunity to buy a shop and so i bought this cabinet shop just a little one down uh south temple and 8th west area in salt lake city and i was able to push projects through there do projects uh like cabinets built-ins all sorts of woodworking things and when I was there it was great and I you know got up to a point where I had 14 guys and everything else and I could pretty much write my price for a lot of my projects and and nobody really cared because they were really more interested in the quality than the, Mm -hmm. the price and what happened was Union Pacific came to Salt Lake City and made a deal so that they could reroute their train tracks and make nice big curves instead of tight turns by the gateway mall. Mm -hmm. And when they did that, uh, Salt Lake city gave them carte blanche. They basically drew a railroad track through my cabinet shop. (laughs) And so a perfect storm of housing market falling, construction industry falling the, uh, whole entire like income that I had was gone and then not complaining because it was a sweetheart of a deal in hindsight it was the highest emotional stress that I probably ever experienced but but, you know losing your shop at the same time without any feeling there's no emotion in the city council that day but yeah anyways that mailbox money that came during that time was some of the best ever because it was a full entire rent payment over a $1,000 a month. Yeah. And I didn't have a mortgage that went along with it either. So that saved me. And it's definitely the thing that kind of pushes you through anymore for me because I saw that fear factor. You know, I can tell you how all those different times in my life I've gone from being an employee to being a contractor when I had a kid. Uh-huh. Being a contractor that hires employees when I had a second kid, being a contractor that has employees and travels to other states when I had a third kid, and that was necessity. And I think sooner or later you recognize that you're not going to be able to do a lot of things that you're doing daily when you get older. You're not yeah. going to be able to, you know, be a, a brick mason or a, a heavy lifting operator or whatever yeah when you get older so now it's more of a let's see where you know a lot of people would be in probably the four to six thousand dollar range where if they had four to six thousand dollars that might cover their mortgage and their car payment and that should be their goal is to get out of that portion and be able to have that kind of money come in
0: you know So I just turned 42 this year and we have a bunch of kids and it's amazing when my wife and I sit down and it's like, okay, what, what, where, where are the expenses that we have to cover every month? And then what, what are the expenses that is more like conveniences, right? And it doesn't take that much to live. You know what I mean? Like, like even being getting, getting a, getting into a passive income vehicle that, that pays half your mortgage, like that, that's unreal. That's like, that is unreal to be able to do that or just your car payment. Right. Or just, or just enough that at the end of the year, you have enough for the vacation, you know? so maybe the vacation isn't coming out of pocket. Right. And it's money, man. It's like, it's like unreal. The peace of mind that can come with, with the benefits of that, of that passive income.
1: For sure. I'd say right now, there's a large portion of people that are in what, whatever this is right now, whether it's a recession or whatever it is, there's people that are stressing out, that are trying to figure out where their next job's going to be, Yeah, construction specifically, mortgage industry, realtors, mm-hmm. they're all starting to feel the, the hurt right now. And in 2008, this was a nightmare for me and, you know, probably uh, related to, you know, having a heart attack and, and high levels of stress and all that stuff. And this time around, it's more like, well, let's make sure that our ducks are in a row. Let's make sure that all the things that are happening, keep happening. And let's not do anything stupid, like go out and buy a new Lamborghini, (laughs) which. How much is a Lambo? How much is a Lambo? It depends. You can buy one for like three hundred ninety, or you can buy one for over a million. But I mean, for me right now, it's like, I, I see... Money come in, and I like budget certain things. So, just recently, I I bought some four wheelers, so me and my family can go out and go camping and ride on four wheelers. And it wasn't it wasn't extravagant; it was very moderated, and and you know.
0: Well, so I see that very differently than a Lambo, right? So even like okay, hundred thousand dollar Lambo, that is a down payment, a healthy down payment on a fourplex right? That's going to pay you forever. And it's only going to get better as the mortgage gets paid off, right? And rents go up and you go in and you do a little bit of fixes yourself. You don't have to do much. And it's like, man, you, instead of, I don't know, I know like oil changes for Porsches are like $300. Lambos <laughs> probably something similar to that, right? And it's like every three months you have to get, you have to get that. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that no one should ever do that. In fact, it would be, in a it would be amazing to be in a position to do that where you didn't, like you had enough to do that. But while we're all building our, our wealth, right? Like $300 on an oil change, man, that's, that's heavy. That could be that's heavy, right? That is the exact opposite feeling I get when I'm like oh $300 a month coming in per door on a fourplex or whatever or 150 bucks a door on a fourplex, I don't know. It's crazy the different feelings that those invoke.
1: Absolutely you're you're crossing a couple of different planes, but one is a depreciating asset right. where one is, you know, typically real estate is an appreciating asset. One kicks off money and one sucks money. Uh And, you know, to be a value investor like I am, I always would look at it like, well, if I was going to buy a Lambo, first I'd buy it with my passive income. Yeah. And second, I'd try and find a way to make it work that it made sense. Well, I'd probably rent it on Turo, which is like a website typically like Airbnb, and then see if that could even, you know, pay for itself or make money
0: or or even just pay for the pay for the expense of the monthly maintenance, right? the monthly expenses on it or something. anyway, there's smart ways to do there's smart ways to do almost anything, but
1: that's um definitely how I do my vacations is every time I do a vacation, I'm always looking for the real estate, you know inputs at least. Do I like this place? Would I uh, want to own something here? Is there a way that I could? own something here and make an investment right uh you know we're, we're working on a big project in Honduras right now and the big project will be uh four syndications it'll probably take two and a half years or longer to build and in the meantime I'm also like talking to other people you know I've got an input where one of my friends that I met while I was in uh, Roatan was like, you know, you could buy one of my lots and build a fourplex here and sell it off. Yeah. I'm like, so I could build a fourplex with much more lenient building codes and laws and uh, building expenses are a lot lower as far as the labor side goes. And then I could sell that as a, uh, four individual condos, and also talking to another person about buying their house and and doing a timeshare there. So it's always like, you know, I would rather be on vacation on an island. Yeah. And doing my the same like mental work and thinking about how I would turn into investment than be stuck in, you know, suburbia or wherever. And and I and I love my house here in Pleasant Grove. So there's that. <laughs>
0: Utah is not a bad place to like grow business and skip it, skip over to the mountains in the, in an evening or over the weekend or
1: whatever. That's a um, wonderful place for sure.
0: Roger, you have a podcast.
1: Yes, I do.
0: Okay. So you might have to correct the name, but it's retire wealthy and happy. And I was going to say retire wealthy and wise, <laughs> but it's not, it's not a Ben Franklin quote, retire wealthy and happy. So if it's okay let's dive into that. What does retire wealthy and happy mean? And then I want to, I want to ask you what, what's maybe a nugget or two that you've taken away from doing your podcast, which by the way is, has been so successful. I mean, I think the last thing I read that you posted was like 50,000 downloads in three months. That might be
1: no yeah, did as- hit We did hit 50,000 downloads and Going in, it was, uh, we thought we'd started on just being a real estate podcast. Yeah. Then we decided to focus on a much broader subject of retiring. And then, you know, I have a few friends. Maybe we'll have like a thousand, a couple thousand downloads. And right. and it, it it just blew up. And we had just tons and tons of people that got in it and, you know, people ask me questions like, well, tell me what a syndication is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if you refer to the first five episodes, it's all there and recorded and breaks it down and everything else. And it's been good information. As far as the podcast goes, that's been uh, really an oxymoron, I think is 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 what I would call it like very uh, surprisingly everybody that we've had come and speak on our podcast says, Oh, I don't want to retire. I'm like, well, we're the retire podcast. (laughs) Like, can you not put down retirement while we're trying to like build it up? And they're like, well, I got all this, this, and this going, and I enjoy my job and I get this, you know, a lot of times it's passive income and everything else. And it's like, we we ask everybody in in the podcast, uh, what is your future retirement going to look like? and we're we're probably 80 to 90 percent of our guests just kind of there is no retirement I don't I don't care and 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 the standing joke that I make is is, you know I'm not looking to sit on the couch and, and get caught up on my Oprah reruns
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: you know I'm just looking to choose where I am who I'm with and what I'm doing yeah you know so if you're looking at your phone and able to live on an island and collect that money. And it's just a short time that you have to spend making sure that everything works. You're not looking for retirement. There's no, like, I don't want to go from working 2000 hours a year to working zero. It's more, I want to decide who I'm with, you know, for me, I I like to uh, work with family and friends. Yeah. And I don't care if I'm flipping a house with my children working with me. There's not going to be a time when I'm going to be picking up any like 200 pound tools or materials or stuff like that. But, you know, I
0: I mean, I know a guy pretty successful in all aspects of what the definition of success means wants to retire. I think he's going to go into honey, like beekeeping and making honey. And. I think that's what he wants to do, right? So to your point, I think a lot of people don't want to just sit around and do nothing when they retire, but they want to do kind of their hobby passion.
1: Absolutely. A lot of people say travel, you know, RV travel and go see their yeah. grandkids, right? Uh, get out and experience different cultures, build, you know, schools, hospitals, orphanages in third world countries. Yeah. I I think, uh, I think we both know Randall Wall. Yeah. And, you know, he's gone from uh, losing everything to above a deck millionaire. And I think the only thing that he would really want to do is go and be in Nepal and just help help people the disadvantaged people you know yeah. it's it's a different mindset once you control your own destiny and your own life and finances then you just want to give back
0: well, well i'm thinking here like it's amazing how people who have money don't hardly ever think about it you know my parents just retired and my dad has a bunch of rentals. He's like, he would get wind that one of his neighbors was selling. He'd go on their porch and was like, Hey, the Joneses down the street said, you might be moving. I, I, can I make an offer on your house? And he like, that's how he would build his portfolio. And he has a a bunch of passive income and loves being a landlord. I don't think I've ever met anyone who just loves being a landlord like my dad does, <laughs> but uh, loves changing the sprinkler head. And, love I just he just loves it he just loves it and and so but he's 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 telling me they just moved down to St. George he's telling me things he does and things he wants to try just to keep busy and make a little money and I'm like wow Dad you you really don't think about money the way you used to because <laughs> you know time is money until you have as much money and time as you could ever want or need right it's just interesting
1: for sure
0: anyway um as we end here roger what what parting thoughts do you have i I know i know you're a speaker you're sought after in almost every utaria. you've given presentations you've helped a lot of people you've helped a lot of people you've helped us here at mill creek just through your association and your friendship and i admire you and what you do with with your time and resources in, in your world. Um, what, what, what would you want to leave for our listeners as we kind of wrap up here?
1: I'd say that you should definitely figure out what you're going to do, set yeah. your goals and create passive income that you can rely on. I think it's important to figure that out before you need it. And if you don't have it, definitely get life insurance and make sure that all the different things that you need to do are done and in place.
0: Um, there's almost a way to do to do something that somebody wants to do. There's almost there. There's a way to do almost all of it. All of it, right? You want to yeah. do this? There's a way to do it. You want to do this? There's a way to do it. You want to, and not just real estate, but you know, there's people who are just okay, I want to get into Airbnbs, I have no money. There's a way to do that, right? I want to get into multifamily and I have some money. There's a way to do that. I want to do this, but I don't have enough, like. There is a solution to almost every challenge that one has out there,
1: right? Absolutely. With partnering and friends and family, yeah. there's everything you can imagine. And the internet is just full of all sorts of things that you could do that you know a lot of people don't realize uh, like a lot of people approach me and they're like well what could I possibly give you and it's like it's always going to be a partnership because there's always something to do like I would love to have somebody that wanted to uh, operate a fleet of Lamborghinis on Turo (laughs) they might want to uh do the work of waxing and maintaining the vehicles or whatever it is. You know, I joke, but it's, you know, people are like, well, you're so high up on the ladder. And it's like, uh, you're on the same ladder that I'm on and we can all work together, you know?
0: Yeah. The ladder is not as high as you think it is.
1: <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a good analogy for, getting out of the stress of approaching people because everybody needs something.
0: I like that. We're on the same ladder. We're just
1: all trying to go up.
0: (laughs) Anyway, Roger, thank you for your time. And to all of our listeners, check out Roger's podcast, retire wealthy and happy. And it's not called retire wealthy and unhappy. It's called retire wealthy and happy. So check that out. If you feel like, This episode has been worthwhile. Please share it. Send it over to somebody who could use this information and leave us that five-star review. We would love to, to have that. Thank you so much. Roger, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, what what's a good way to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, you can definitely reach out on Facebook, Roger Jacobson, Instagram, Roger Jacobson. I am on LinkedIn, but I don't reply to my messages very often. (laughs) Cool.
0: To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us again and have a great day.